Good morning. It's good to see most of you. No, it's good to see you. It's good to be here in person. I'm glad to be here. I'm David Fisk, one of the pastors, and we are in a preaching series called Gospel and Government. And we're going to be looking at Romans today, and we're looking at this passage in chapter 14 where there are two parties that are divided and causing, like, condemnation between the two of them. And I'm sitting there thinking, how does that apply today? Huh. Okay, yeah, I got it. Let's go. Democrats and Republicans. And Paul is talking about this weak and strong group of people. I'm not saying the Republicans or the Democrats are the weak or strong, and I'm not saying the other one's the weak. I'm not choosing sides up here. What I want you to do, though, is as Peter reads for us, I want you to listen for the attitude that these two parties have for each other. Listen for the attitude that they have for each other and how they treat each other. Our scripture reading this morning comes from Romans chapter 14, verses 1 through 12, reading from the NIV. Accept him whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. One man's faith allows him to eat everything, but another man whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The man who eats everything must not look down on him who does not, and the man who does not eat everything must not condemn the man who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master, he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord, he who eats meat eats to the Lord, for the, he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You, then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? For we all stand and we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is the reading of God's word. Let's pray and ask him 
Let's bless the preaching of God's word. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have given us your word. And Lord, I pray that as we look at this passage that you would um, expose things in our hearts that are judgmental. That you would show us your grace and your mercy and how the way that you accept us, we can accept other people even if we're different. Please bless our time in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, about 17 years ago, I went to visit my, now she's my wife, I was going to visit my girlfriend's grandmother. Okay, so this was a long time ago. And uh, went to her house and, and Becca had talked about, I love my grandma, she's one of my favorite people in the world. She's amazing. She's active in her church. She's a deacon, and they call her the sneaking deacon because she's kind of mischievous. And I just love her. I love my aunt. They're two of my favorite people. I can't wait for you to meet them. So I was, I was excited, you know, but I was also a little nervous uh, meeting my girlfriend's family, you know. And we walk in to, her, to Graham's house, and we go to sit down. And over the couch is this big picture, and it's these women of color picking cotton with a man off in the distance. And I was horrified. I was like, what? How can you, how, how can she be so racist to have this picture up on her wall? Like, this is terrible. I don't, I don't know what Becca is thinking, saying she's so wonderful, like, what's going on? And I was very judgmental and thought, she needs an education. But the truth is, if we think about our lives, we're all judgmental. We're all judgmental all the time. We think we're better than people. We think we're smarter than people. We think we got it figured out more than other people do. We understand how to fix the world and we'll post it on, on Facebook. You know, we know how to fix politics. We know, you know, who looks good and who doesn't, and who dresses right and who doesn't, and all those dumb millennials like OK Boomer, and just all the time we are judging each other and have this kind of critical attitude now, and I, I want to point out a few different things because I, I took three classes of Greek and paid a lot of money, so I want to use it sometimes. There's a word that Paul uses to judge, and in the Greek, it's different than how we would use the word judge. So you think about how we use the word judge kind of to evaluate if something's good or bad, right? Like you kind of look at it and try to form an opinion about it. But then you kind of go, okay, well, what does it mean to be judgmental? Because Jesus did say, I got I to gotta beware of the false prophets. So that means I have to judge a little bit, but how do I know I'm not going too far in becoming judgmental? Well, being judgmental, I would say, is when you have this feeling of superiority. It's when you're excessively condemning other people or other things. 
when you excessively have a critical attitude about things. And Paul's word here for judge is more like that than it is our, the way that we use the word judge. Paul's word for judge is more like this ex excessively critical attitude, these feelings of condemnation and, and contempt, and he's just using it that way, and that's different than how we do today. Now, in the church of Rome, he's writing to the Romans, and we often think in the PCA, ooh, Romans is so amazing, but in the church in Rome, there is a huge spirit of division and condemnation in the church. You see that in verse 3, how they're treating each other. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt. The one who does not, and the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. Do you see they're both doing it? The people who are eating are, do, are condemning and the people who are not eating are judging. So Paul's come along and going, no, 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 no. You guys can't do that. <laughs> that is not at all loving. That is not at all how God wants you to live. I just spent 11, chap 11 chapters explaining to you the Christian faith and how to live it. And now I want you to apply it. And condemning each other? No, that's not how you live. And what's interesting about Romans is, you know, usually when you talk about a church, a church's majority, it would usually be Jewish Christians, like who have Jewish descent. But in the Roman church, they're actually the minority. And the, the Gentiles are usually the minority in churches, but then in Rome, they're the majority. And what Paul is saying here from the get-go is the Gentiles are the strong ones and the Jewish people are the weak ones, but they're both doing it. They're both being judgmental and condemning each other. And what I want to look at today is why should we not be that way? Why can't we as Christians be that way? The first reason you see is because we follow, follow Scripture alone. Out of His grace, God has given us Scripture and it's shown us how to live and it's shown us, this is how I want you to have a flourishing life. This is what I want. This is what I command of you. This is what I want you to obey. I'm going to tell you things that you have to do and tell you things that you cannot do. Okay, I want you to live this way. And the Bible gives us these commands, and yet we add to them all the time. We add to them all the time. And here's what I mean. Um, the Bible commands us to take care of the poor. The Bible commands us to care for the poor. It does not tell us exactly what strategy to use in caring for the poor. Should it be a lot of government things? Or should it be, you know, high taxes or low taxes? What kind of strategy should we use? Which one? Bible doesn't say, right? So you can't demand that we care for the poor this one certain way. 
Think about it again, like with immigration. You need to care for the immigrant. Well, that doesn't tell you, well, that means you can only let in this number of people into your country a year. The Bible doesn't say. Or you might say, you need to, ha- you need to care for hurting communities, like the black community right now. It doesn't tell you exactly how to do it. I can't come up to you and say, if you don't have a Black Lives Matter sign in your yard, you're sinning. You're not caring for for hurting people. Like, it tells us things to do, but we add to it all the time. And they might even be good things, but they're not what God commands. We have to follow Scripture alone. And you see in verse 1 at the end of it, it says, except those whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. So it's like Paul's going, y'all are going to have disputable matters, but I don't want you to fight over them. Okay? I don't want you to fight over them. And we think about, okay, well, what is a disputable matter? Well, it's it's a matter of conscience. Okay? It's a matter of conscience. God has given us ways to live, but he's also not been exactly specific on how to do it. So we talked about, you know, commands and then adding to them. It's like, here are the commands. We're going to have some things where if we're going to figure out what God wants us to do, here's how I think we want to do it wisely. And those can get disputable, right? I mean, think about the categories that are said hurting for, or I'm caring for um, the poor, caring for immigrants, and caring for the black community. Like, we don't always agree on it. And he's saying, it it is going to be disputable where you are, but I don't want you to fight over it. I want you to love each other and work through it together. I want unity. I want unity. And see, the Bible doesn't say, like, always how to do it, but it tells me that I have to do it and do it with wisdom. And you might say, well, what do you mean by wisdom? That's kind of vague. I would say, well, my friend says, skill in the art of godly living. Skill in the art of godly living. He says, that's why there's so many Old Testament books, and they're so big. Because you've got to have a lot of wisdom. So I want you to obey, but I want you to have wisdom. So unless Scripture explicitly says a command, I can't tell you you're sinning if you vote for this person. You cannot join this alliance. You cannot agree with this strategy. You cannot do that. Like, the Bible doesn't say that. So I can't, I can't demand that of you. And unless scripture demands it, I can't demand it of other people. And you see in verse 2 and 3 how they're getting critical of each other, how they have this excessively critical attitude, right? They're despising each other, they're condemning each other. They kind of have this attitude of like, we get it, they don't. We've got it figured out, but those Gentiles over there, they don't know what they're doing. We got it. Those Jews over there, they're not eating meat. And that's just crazy. 
And here's, here's what I, I want to say. Like, we have to continue to learn Scripture to understand what it is exactly what God has commanded and not add to it, not add our opinions. And really that keeps us teachable and it shows us what it is that God wants us to discern wisely. And so we can only demand Christians to do what exactly the Bible commands and not add to it. So secondly, here's another reason why you can't be judgmental to others. It's that we are justified by faith alone, right? Look at verse 3. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And here's the, here's the weaker group. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does. And then verses 5 and 6. One person considers one day more sacred than the other. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks. So what you're seeing here is the weak, the Jewish people, are looking down on the Gentiles for not obeying the Old Testament laws. They're, they're not eating the right things. They are eating the wrong things. They're not treating uh, the Sabbath a certain way. They're not treating Sabbath better than the rest of the week. And so they're judging and being judgmental and looking down on and condemning the Gentiles. Okay? Now, what are the Gentiles doing? It says in verse 3, the strong... Um, the strong are condemning the weak. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. They're treating them with contempt. I mean, it's not like, oh, man, they're not my favorite people. It's like, no, I hate you. I don't like you at all. And really, what's going on is the Old Testament Jewish people are leaning a lot on legalism and the Gentiles are leaning a lot on their license. They're going too far in their freedom in Christ. So they're both wrong. Do you see what I'm saying? They're both wrong. And what they've forgotten is what the gospel is all about. Grace. Grace. We are justified by faith through grace. It's not about laws. It's not about abusing the commands or being justified and being able to do whatever you want. We are justified by faith through grace. And we follow our Savior. And you see the answer to this in verse 3. So you got the one who, you know, the two sides judging each other but look at the end of verse 3. It says, for God has accepted them. Not, for God has accepted the one. Not, the, God has accepted the one who's been a lot better. It's God, for God has accepted them. It is by faith that we are justified, that we are accepted by God. Justification by faith levels the playing field. So you can't go around thinking, I'm better than him 
because I know more than him. I'm better than her because I've read more books about theology than her. I'm better than him because of the way I look. I'm better than them because of how much money they make. I'm better than them, period. Like, you can't say that as a Christian. That's not how it works. We're all sinners. We all need Jesus. We are saved by grace. And for some of you, like, I hope that that convicts you. Because some of you needed to be convicted of that. You're adding to the gospel. And for some of you, I hope that's really freeing. Because you're forgetting the grace of God. And that's how we live. If God is going to welcome and include all of us, we have to welcome each other and include all of us. So when I was in seminary, I knew it was my last year. I knew where I was getting my job. And where you get your job is where you get examined to be a pastor. Now, I knew where I was going to get my job, and that presbytery was not nice. That's all I'm going to say about that. They had a reputation nationally. And so I went to uh, kind of my mentor. I went to Dr. Guthrie, uh, who was my Yoda. I went to him and just said, like, hey, if you could change, if you had a magic wand and could change anything about me to help with this process, <laughs> what would it be? What would it be? And he said, justification by faith. And I was like, I'm a fourth year. I can explain what justification by faith is. And he said, no, 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 no. Like, you know, Yoda would. No, 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 no. I want you to understand the applications of it. I want you to understand gospel confidence. Not confidence in yourself, gospel confidence. How you have a new identity as a son of God. I also want you to understand it because it will make you emotionally mature. It will make you say, look, I can be me, you can be you, and, we'll, and we're different. And we can still be friends. I was getting a little worried there when we started to talk about that. Uh, he also talked about, um, you know, David, it helps you stay humble, which is good, so you're not sitting there judging everyone in your presbytery that fights all the time. He's saying uh, you can stay humble, but also when you realize your justification by faith, you can stand up for something. You can stand up with confidence and say, you know what, that's wrong. We might say the way that that party is doing X, Y, or Z, we can say that's wrong, it violates Scripture. We can say it to a person, we can say it to an organization, that's wrong. And we have Matthew 18 to guide us in that, in that when, when it's wrong. So he was saying, I want you to get that. I'm still working on it, it's 10 years later. Uh, so justification, being accepted by God and loved by God, being humble, but also being confident because of Jesus. And that's the heart of the gospel. I'm not judgmental. You're not judgmental because we are saved by grace. We are justified by faith. 
So lastly, we can't be judgmental to others because we belong to the Lord alone. Paul in verse 4 is using this servant master or yeah, servant master language about who we belong to. Whose are you? Your master is Jesus, not yourself. Your master is Jesus. And he gives this strong warning about judging another person who's different than you. And he's saying, you are not qualified to be a master and judge people. You are not qualified to sit in a place of judgment and look down on other people. That's not the gospel. And it's like, well, okay, if I'm not qualified to do that, what, what am I called to do? Well, in verses 7 through 12, it tells you, I'll just read verse 8. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Right? We live and die for Jesus by loving him and loving our neighbors. Not by condemning. Not by being judgmental not by hammering people for their opinions. And I really think this group has forgotten a number of things, but they've forgotten that God is the only judge, right? Like we're supposed to follow his commands. But look at verse 5. Verse 5 has this interesting little phrase at the end where it says, Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Like, what does that mean? Well, it means this. Okay, if you have a decision, first, you need to figure out, does this violate Scripture? Number one. Is it commanded in the Bible or not? You got to know Scripture to make that decision. Secondly, Am I free of conscience to do it? Am I free of conscience to do it? Can I do it, you know, with wisdom? Not causing myself to sin. Not causing someone else to sin. And then third, I have to be fully convinced of it. So if God has called me to it and I'm convinced of it, I have to do it. I need to do it. And you see how it happens in verse 6. He says, uh, and they do so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. So you're doing it in a way where you can thank God. And that's how we deal with disputable matters. That's how we deal with two parties that might make us fight over something. That happens in November. Right? And then Paul gets very serious in verses 10 through 12. Why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. You will give an account for yourself to God. Yourself, not 
other people. <laughs> you know, God, they did that. That was wrong. I didn't do it. You know, like, that's not what it's saying. You'll give an account for yourself, not for others. And remembering how much we need Jesus shows us humility. It shows us how to be teachable. It shows us we need Jesus if we're not going to be judgmental like Paul is talking about here. And here's the thing, like, you might decide about something with a, that's a disputable matter when you're 21, and you might think differently at age 45. And you might think differently at age 67. And my point here is, like, we have to be open to learning. Yoda always told me, too, you're a lifelong learner, David. Don't think you've arrived. So I'm sharing that with you. <laughs> you're lifelong learners, and that teaches us how to be humble, that we don't know everything. And so we remember that we belong to Jesus alone. He is our master, and that's how we stay humble and teachable versus judgmental, contemptuous, and condemning. So Matt, Becca's grandma's house, we're dating, I'm dating Becca, not grandma. I'm dating Becca, and she has this picture. I'm sitting there going, all right, when am I gonna tell this woman about this picture? You know, I gotta be smart about this. And um, I finally found the time and I said, hey, Graham, what's going on with that picture right there? What is it? It looks like black people picking cotton. And she says, she started to kind of chuckle. She said, David, that's Ruth gleaning, not cotton, but <laughs> the harvest, wheat. And that man off in the distance, that's Boaz. <laughs> oh, cool. That's a really cool picture, Graham. Wow. That's really nice. I didn't tell her the truth about that story until we were after, until I was married to Becca. So that, you know, it was a done deal already. Well, the truth is it was like, wow, who's the judgmental one now? Right? Who's the one condemning? Christians cannot be excessively condemning to other people. Christians cannot be ex excessively judgmental. We can't treat other people with contempt. And you might say, well, I don't do that. Yeah, you do. Everybody does it. Even the Romans did it. <gasps> yeah. Even the Romans did it. And let me just finish with this. We can't be judgmental because Jesus is our master. Jesus is our Lord. Jesus is our Savior. Jesus is who we belong to. Jesus is the one that we live for. Jesus is the one that we die for. Jesus is the one that we will bow down before. We will stand before Jesus' Father on his judgment seat. And when the time comes, Jesus is going to stand up and say, hey, all the times that that woman or that man were judgmental, 
I took the punishment. All the times that that man was treating people with contempt, I paid the penalty. All the times that he sinned that way, they're with me. And he will stand up for you at that judgment. And he will say the condemnation, the guilt, the punishments that we deserve, he took. And he will say, that's my brother by faith. That's my sister by faith. And then something else will happen. Then the true judge from the judgment seat will look down on you and he will kindly accept you just like he kindly accepts his perfect son, Jesus. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, you are gracious to us and we often forget that. Lord, may we continue to remember your grace. Remember when we are tempted to treat others with um, contempt or when we are tempted to be judgmental about other people, Help us to remember that you are the only judge, not us. Help us to treat each other with love and that even when we find things that are disputable matters, we can be mature about it and talk about it and work through it, even if it's hard. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen.